Well, it's good to be here at Porchlight Baptist Church this morning. Enjoyed all that good singing. And we're still in our Gospel of John sermon series, and this will be part number 13. And I've titled the message this morning, Jesus Knows What Is In Man. Jesus Knows What Is In Man. And we're going to be looking at those last three verses of chapter 2, John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. We'll go ahead and read our text. The Bible says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Thank you so much for our church and the service we've had so far. And Lord, we're just praying now you help us as we try to preach for just a few minutes, God, on this passage of scripture. And Lord, that you'll receive any glory from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, uh, we see here it's still during the Passover time. And uh, Jesus is still in Jerusalem. As we talked about last time, the Passover and uh, what it meant is one of the most important of the seven feasts of the Jews that uh, God had gave them to observe on a yearly basis. Uh, and Passover, of course, represents the time when the Lord sent the death angel over Egypt and would slay the firstborn of any household that didn't have the blood painted on the lintels and the doorpost of their homes. Uh, now, I know I don't want to beat a dead horse, and we talked about it a lot last week, but I want us to turn there to Exodus chapter 12, and I want us to read that entire chapter. There's 32 verses. I know it's a lot of reading, but uh, we need to have it in our head exactly why they are observing this Passover, and this Passover, while the Jews observe it for the time they were led out of Egypt's bondage, uh, the, the, the event that happened just prior to that, this Passover... Uh, we need to understand that this also is representation of the Lord Jesus. The, everything that took place there, that Passover lamb, uh, represents him. So this is a shadow of things that were to come that we read about in the New Testament. So look there at Exodus 12, start with verse 1. We'll go ahead and read it. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. And here's important. Notice what it says. Verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the putinance thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. 
And thus shall you eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And here we go. Here's where he instructs them what's going to happen. For I, verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations you shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall you observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at even, you shall eat it, unleavened bread, until the one and the twentieth day of the month, at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leaven, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be of stranger or born in the land. You shall eat nothing leaven. In all your habitations shall you eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a, a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of this house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when ye be come to the land which the Lord will give you according as he has promised that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? that you shall say, It's the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord, as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. Now there's 18 more verses there in Exodus 12, which details the aftermath uh, of this and the institution of the Passover feast. But uh, let's go back now, back to John chapter 2. As we have an understanding of what this Passover is, the Passover feast, uh, that celebration time, and uh, why the Lord was in Jerusalem. Every male 12 years and up 
that was a devout Jew would celebrate in Jerusalem. They would travel there every year at Passover to celebrate. So that is why Jesus and his disciples were there at the time. Now, we know we studied just previous to this that Jesus cleansed the temple as he went in there and he found money changers and sellers of, of the sacrifices, the animals, and he ran them out, overturned the tables, uh, poured out their, their money, and uh, told them to leave and, uh, and you know, run them out of there. He said, uh, that uh, take these things hence and make no more of my father's house a uh, house of merchandise. And right after that, the Jewish leaders, of course, confronted him, wanted to know who gave him the authority. And he tells them that about destroy this temple and in three days I'll rebuild it. And uh, they, didn't, they didn't get it. And so this comes right after all that happened, sometime after that. Don't know exactly how long. But it says now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day. Uh, the feast day, we read about it there. There were several different type, times they ate during the Passover. Uh, which feast day this is referring to, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, it is at the time of the Passover. And it says that many believed in his name when they saw miracles, which he did. All right, now this is where things get interesting. Uh, it says many believed in his name when they saw the miracles, which he did. When they saw the miracles, which he did. Uh, they didn't believe in him because of his word. Uh, it says uh, they only believed in those miracles which he did. Now, it doesn't tell us which miracles. We know that the Lord Jesus uh, performed many miracles that are not written in, in the, the Bible. Uh, even the books of the world couldn't contain them, John writes in that last chapter of, of this gospel. But uh, he had performed miracles. You know, We don't know what it could have been. Uh, giving sight to the blind, raising the dead. Um, uh, healing matters of diseases, casting out devils, whatever it was, Jesus has been doing this. People's been seeing it. We know that he performed the miracle of turning the water into wine. I don't think really necessarily that's what it's referring to. This was in a different place that that happened, and uh, in Cana, and here in Jerusalem, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles. S miracles, not not single miracle, but miracles. So he's done more than just the turning the water into wine. We just don't know what it is yet. But anyway, uh, they believe in him because they saw these miracles, or they believed. It says many believed in his name when they saw the miracles. Now his name, we know, was Jesus, his earthly name. Uh, I believe, in other words, what this is saying is it wasn't a belief in faith in Christ as the Savior, some may have thought, perhaps, they believed because they saw these miracles he performed. Um, but I believe they were simply caught up in the moment. They were caught up in all the, the miracles, and they were seeing that. And, you know, it, uh, so they immediately, people started believing uh, in Jesus. Now, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17 and 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? Now, we know who can know it. The Lord Jesus is the one who can know it. We can't even know our own hearts. We are fickle people. We believe we love something one day, but we hate it the next. So uh, I personally believe the majority of people today who claim that they've been saved were really just caught up in the moment at that time they professed faith in Jesus. Uh, that I don't believe a lot of people truly place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Um, there's so many instances, which I could point out, of different 
services and different people and different times and uh, things that took place that I can say it looks more like people's gotten caught up in in the uh, just the the activity or the uh, the spirit, not necessarily the Holy Spirit. There is a spirit uh, present in a lot of places when there's a lot of people together, and it's not always the Holy Spirit. Even if it's referred to as a Christian service, it's not always the Holy Spirit there. Uh, I believe we've we've observed that uh, here recently. Uh, but a lot of people's putting an emotional profession of faith and not a spiritual one, not a real faith in the Lord Jesus for forgiving them of their sins and being their Lord and Savior. Uh, this happens a lot in these so-called youth revivals. You get a bunch of these young people together and they you pop in a bunch of loud rock type music. They do it in Pigeon Forge every year. I don't know what it's called, Winterfest or something like that. Bunch of these groups that look like rock bands and uh, all these flashing lights and loud music and it's just a rock and roll concert. And so you flock all these youth in there and you get them all excited, and that beat that's going on, that worldly beat, uh, it gets them into a state of euphoria. And then there's a spirit that takes over, and it's not the Holy Spirit, it's a spirit, I believe, of the Antichrist. I believe it's the spirit of, of Satan. Uh, and it gets them all together, and they're, they're doing all this stuff, and it's not got anything to do with the Word of God, because they can't understand most of the words that those people are singing anyway. Uh so it's got nothing to do with the Word of God. It's got something to do with the, a feeling that they've had, some kind of emotional experience. And so then flocks of these people go down, and you'll hear things like, oh, at the youth concert last night, we had 4,000 profess faith in Christ. Did they profess faith in Christ, or did they profess faith in this emotional experience they had? And I've heard way too many people tell me personally, people I know personally have told me, I fell for it. I went down, and I, they told me I was saved. I went down. Everybody else was going down. I went down there, and I prayed, and the, the preacher there told me I was saved. But I realized later on I wasn't. A good friend of mine told me this. He, he realized later on he was never saved. He didn't go down there because he believed the Lord Jesus forgave him of his sins, and he wanted to, to give his life to him. He went down because he was emotionally charged. And that's happened to a lot of people today. Uh, I was saved in vacation Bible school. But one of the dangers there is of vacation Bible school is the same thing. You get all these children in, especially a lot of them that's never been in church, you offer them, the, the, today churches are offering the world's things. So we want to have these you know, rock sounding songs. We want to get them all dressed alike and get them in their shorts and all this stuff and so they feel comfortable. And the next thing you know, they're having people raise their hand if they want to be saved. And, you know, they're looking around. We had that happen. We had people at our Bible school, you know, raising their hand. They didn't have a clue what they were talking about or what they were raising their hand for. And so a lot of that goes on today. Be very careful ever claiming someone got saved because you don't know. You only know about yourself uh, personally. The Lord and you is the only one that knows about your personal salvation. You can't tell if somebody else has been saved. So... What we must do, we must turn to God's word to see what true faith is because he knows man's hearts. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, how do we know we can be saved because of that type of faith? 
Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You notice that? That's very important. That's where faith comes from. The word of God. Now, it does not say faith cometh by listening to music. It does not say that faith comes from flashing lights and stage shows. It does not say that faith comes from an emotional charge or a feel-good feeling. Nowhere in the Bible do you find that, that theology, that salvation is because of an emotional feeling. It's always because of the Word of God. We're saved through His Word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, I'm going to make some enemies. <laughs> no doubt you've heard over the last few weeks uh, the two-week service or revival, they call it a revival or an awakening or whatever, at Asbury College up in Kentucky. Uh, lasted two weeks. Many of my friends on Facebook were ecstatic over it. They got caught up in the excitement, and they're you know sharing all these posts from uh, Asbury uh, University where this so-called revival has taken place. Um Listen, I have done some research into all this. They actually have homosexuals on the stage uh, leading worship service. They have women preachers leading services. Uh, not preachers, women preachers. No such thing as a woman preacher, by the way. And so these types of things, if that is who is leading this service, there's no way it's of God. It can't be. Because God doesn't work that way. And so, uh, listen, over 60,000 people flocked up there to that small university. I believe the whole town only has 6,000 people in it. 60,000 people travel from all over the United States to go up there and be part of the excitement. And you can see them on Facebook. They post their videos or selfies and all this stuff. You know, at Asbury, and they're, they're showing their videos. It's so exciting here. It's exciting. It's exciting. They're caught up in the moment. Now, I'm afraid that many of those, they're no different than those we're reading about here in John 2 and 23 that believe because of the miracles. How do we know the people in John 2 23 were only caught up in the moment and most likely did not have genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Simple. Look at our next two verses. John 2 and 24. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Did you see that? Jesus did not commit himself unto them. Why would he not commit himself to these people? I mean, didn't it say they believed? They believed because of the miracles. In other words, the excitement of it all. Um... It says in the end of the verse, because he knew all men. That's why he didn't commit himself unto them, because he knew their hearts. Now, what does that mean? Well, back again to Jeremiah 17. The next verse, instead of Jer Jeremiah 17, 9, Jeremiah 17, 10. After he says, the hearts deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked who can know it. He says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, and according to the fruit of his doings. So Jesus knows our true heart, our true thoughts, our true belief. He knows if we've been uh, emotionally manipulated by someone. He knows if we've just been caught up in the moment. 
He knows if it's just been a time of excitement and we went down and made some kind of false profession of faith. He knows all that. He knows if we're truly committed to him or if we're only pretending in a temporary state of euphoria. John chapter 8, we read about the time when Jesus, he came to the temple, he was teaching, and uh, they brought in the woman that had been caught in the very act of adultery. Didn't bring the man, but brought the woman. Put her before Jesus and said, you know, what, what do you say? What do, we, what do you say we should do? And we know what he did. He rolled on the ground and put, you know, whoever, you know, without sin, cast first stone. But after all that happened, in uh, John chapter 8, verse 30, the Bible says, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Many believed on him. But in the very next verses, it says this in John 8 and 31 through 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So Jesus knows all men. He knows the hearts of everyone. He knows those that truly believed because of his word and not because of something they saw. And he tells them there, look, if you are truly a believer, if you really one of my disciples, you will follow me. You'll continue to follow me. Many people will make a profession, claim they're going to follow Jesus, and that's it. They don't follow him. The Bible tells us in Revelation 2 and 23, he's speaking to the churches. In the, in the second part of that verse, in Revelation 2 and 23, he says, I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Now this should get our attention, knowing that the Lord Jesus sees all, knows all. He is intimately familiar with everything in us. Uh, you and the Lord are the only ones that know your true thoughts, your true heart, your true feelings. You're the only one that knows those wicked thoughts in your mind. Even the good thoughts. You may think something good that you never tell somebody. You're the only one that knows it except for the Lord. And those times you think of wicked things, you and the Lord know all about it. And this should get our attention. Listen to what it says in 1 Chronicles 28.9. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Uh, here the Bible tells us that God actually searches our hearts and understandeth even the imaginations of our thoughts. Can you imagine that? <laughs> imagination. Do you imagine that? Things that you think that no one would ever, ever know. And you could think it in your head. The whole time you're thinking it, the Lord Jesus is, is hearing it. He knows it. He knows what you're thinking. Your thoughts. That's scary. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 17 and 3, The finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. What did it say back in Jeremiah 9, 17? Was it 17 or, uh, uh, yeah, 17 and 9? Um, let me turn it back there so I don't mess it up. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Uh, sometimes we don't even know our own heart. We're so desperately wicked. Uh, we think wicked imaginations and thoughts and concoct things in our head and uh, we deceive our own selves. 
many people to deceive in their own selves. So not all who professed to believe in Jesus because of his miracles were truly saved. Those that would continue on and follow him would be genuinely saved. But we find that most of these, and we don't hear anything else about the outcome of, of all these people that believed on him at that time, uh, what occurred. Because we know just shortly, well, just a little while after this, most of these same people that so-called believed in him were there among the crowd yelling, crucify him. And so uh, superficial faith. Uh, not all who profess to believe in him actually place their faith in a savior. Um, some may have, and it would be evident as time went on, just like today. It's only evident as time goes on whether someone is genuinely saved or not. And even then, people can get caught up in works and good works and continue in good works and not necessarily be saved. There's a lot of unsaved people that do good works. A lot of atheists that give large amounts of money to organizations that help people don't mean they're saved. So how many people do you know who once seemed like they were believers, but now they don't seem to be? They don't seem spiritual at all. They, they never had anything to do with the Lord or the church or uh, want anything to do with it. They're all their thoughts and mind is always carnal. There's a lot of them like that. Now, we're unable to search the hearts of people. I can't look at somebody and tell if they're saved or not. I don't care if they're the, the most evil-looking person in the world. They may be saved. I don't know. But uh, only the Lord knows. Uh, we can't search their hearts. We can't tell the truth. But uh, the Bible does tell us those who are disciples will continue in his word. And there will be a day of separation when the Lord, we will stand before a righteous judge. Every one of us, saved or unsaved, we will stand before a righteous judge. Now we know the saved doesn't get, get judged for their sins. Uh, that is for the unsaved only. But we will be judged according to our works, the Bible says. Whether good or bad, it says. But there'll be a day of separation. Listen to what it says in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Uh, look, there'll be a time people that you thought were saved, they'll stand before the Lord one day and he'll say, I, I don't know who you are. You never had anything to do with me. What do you mean you did things in my name? Uh, it wasn't in my name you did them in. You may have been using my name, but that's all it was. There'll be many that will make a confession of faith here on this earth that never truly believed in the Lord Jesus, never really believed in the gospel. Never really got saved. Went through their life. Maybe some preacher said, you got saved. They leave the church, never return back again, but they tell everybody their whole life, oh, I got saved back when I was 10 years old. I went out there to that Baptist church and that preacher told me I was saved. But I've never been to church since. Oh, yeah, I've lived like the devil. I know that. And I, you know, I, I cuss and I drink and I do drugs and I do this and I do that and I sin like a, you know, a sailor or whatever they are. And, but uh, listen, not everybody that professes Jesus is saved. Um, all we can do is pray. 
Uh, we can observe. The Bible tells us, you know, you'll know them by their fruits. Um, I, I'm very leery on ever claiming someone is, is saved or a Christian because I don't know. All I can tell you is, is my is my salvation. I I know without a doubt I'm saved. I know I love the Lord. I ask Him to save me, forgive me for my sins, and I ask and and He saved me, and I've been saved ever since. Have I always lived perfect? No, I've not. I don't know any Christian that's ever lived perfect life. But uh, you know we're we're all human. We're still going to have that old man down inside of us gnawing and nagging, battling with the new man. We'll all go through that. So, you know, people will do things that are are not Christian things to do, but still be saved. So I'm not saying everybody that does wrong things or bad things or, or looks a certain way is unsaved because you can't tell that. People, you know, they get out there and uh, get away from the Lord and stray and uh, backslide. And you don't hear that word much anymore, backsliding. People backslide. Uh, there was a time that we got out of church, and we was out of church for quite a while, hiding from people that went to the church and didn't want to talk to them. We'd sneak out during uh, church hours and go out to eat or something like that. Hey, we got we got away from the Lord there for a while. We strayed. We backslid. But the Lord was always there. Every Sunday, I had a guilty conscience. Every Sunday, my heart broke, even though I was fighting against it. But listen, Nobody's perfect, but remember, it's, it's simple. Salvation is simple, and it's not because you saw some exciting thing. It wasn't because you got worked up in a service and your heart started beating out of your chest and things seemed, you know, uh, whatever. That is not salvation. Salvation is believing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you got saved by any other means, you're not saved. If you got saved outside of God's Word, you are not saved. If you didn't believe what the Bible says, you are not saved. Uh, so that I can plainly tell you from God's Word. All right, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning, Lord, thanking you for the message. Lord, I pray for those individuals that may have been caught up in the moment. Lord, they may have been a, a time of uh, excitement or euphoria, Perhaps someone told them to raise their hand or they came down because somebody else did and, and just uh, said they they wanted to be saved, but, Lord, they didn't really believe the gospel. They didn't believe that you were, died on the cross to save them from their sins, and they uh, knew they were a sinner and confessed to you, Lord, that uh, they needed to be saved. Lord, I pray for them. Lord, I pray for those that have never been uh, in a, uh, a time of uh, conviction. Lord, I pray you will convict them and show them the need to be saved before it's too late. God, because we know it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Lord, we're just praying, Lord, for those that are, that are lost today. Help us here at Porch Light. God, may we be a shining light into this world of darkness. And we want to give you the honor and praise and glory for it all. For it's these things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>